Well, this morning we're going to continue our series uh, entitled The Million Dollar Question, and uh, we're going to kind of just uh, work through kind of our front little uh, beginning of the message this morning, kind of just hit some highlights of what we've talked about, and then we're going to try to jump into where we're going today. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, and God is speaking to the nation of Israel, between blessing and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So the first point on your outline we recognize is that the quality of our lives are determined by the quality of the decisions that we make. Good decisions usually produce good things. Bad decisions usually produce bad things. And we really can never outrun the choices and decisions we make. Sometimes the repercussions are not immediate, but how many of you know they always come? Right? It always comes. You might outrun it for a week, a month, a year. But it's finally going to chase you down, right? Your choices and decisions are going to produce repercussions in your life, and we have to live with those things. And so the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our decisions, and it not only affects us, but we said it affects our children and our grandchildren, right? We said the problem. Look at the problem. The problem is that we are making poor decisions, right? If you look at our nation and you look across the board, we are a nation of people, unfortunately, that are really making some pretty poor decisions. And I believe we're making the wrong decisions because we're asking the wrong question. And so we've been talking about the million-dollar question. And what if there was one question that you could ask in every circumstance, in every situation, that could help you make the right decision every single time. And that's what we're calling today the million dollar question. Let me give you some statistics real quick. We've looked at these each week. Uh, just some uh, indicators that there's some problems in our nation and that we are making the wrong decisions. And again, I believe because we're asking the wrong questions, right? Th every 13 seconds, somebody in America gets divorced. 11 million children living in single family homes. The average American has $16,000 worth of credit card debt. Most Americans don't have any money in savings. Uh, and we see that there are 20 million people uh, in America that are battling with some kind of addiction. A uh, hundred people a day, every 15 minutes, somebody dies of a drug overdose. And we kind of just broke down those statistics into three areas. We said those statistics reveal that we have some relational problems. Right? There are some issues in our marriages and our families and just overall relationships. And we actually spent all last Sunday, if you weren't here last Sunday, let me encourage you to go out and listen to the message uh, because I believe there was some simple truth that will help you when it comes to uh, making wise decisions in the area of your relationships. Uh, the second thing we recognize from these statistics is that we have some financial problems, uh, and that is that most Americans are struggling just to live and week to week and paycheck to paycheck, trying just to get through and come out on the other side. And instead of thriving, we're surviving in the area of our finances. And then last but not least, in the area of, of, of what we looked at as kind of being addiction statistics is really just personal decisions, right? We said they're unhealthy habits. And you don't have to be addicted to drugs and alcohol to have some unhealthy habits in your life. Personal decision making that is affecting the way that we're living our life. So what is the million dollar question? We uh, answered this a couple weeks ago. So the million dollar question is what is the wise thing 
to do based on what you know, not what you think, not what you feel, what you know to be true, based on what you know to be true, and based on what God says, right? We said that's information and revelation, right? I need, I need the right information, and then I need the revelation of God's Word based on what I know to be true and based on what God says. What is the wise thing to do? Not what's the convenient thing to do, not what's the easiest thing to do, not what is the thing that I'm going to do that's going to make me the most, bring me the most pleasure or make me happy the quickest, but what is the wise thing to do? So last week we looked at relationships. This week we're going to talk about finances, right? Proverbs, let's read our scripture together, 1724 says this, it says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. I mean, you know, we ought to be sensible. I I believe that uh, common sense is like very valuable. (laughs) It's priceless. When you look at people and you, you wonder, how in the world do you even make those decisions? It's like we have lost our sensibility, right? We've lost our ability as a nation to seemingly just have good common sense. And the reason that is is because sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. And if you're not looking at wisdom, then you're looking at the wrong thing. If you're not asking the right question, then you're consistently getting the wrong answer and you're consistently making the wrong decisions that are impacting not only your life, but your family. So today we're going to talk about what is the wise thing to do about our finances, right? And so we're going to kind of get up close and personal today, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak. And how many of you believe that if we'll let God bring truth to us, good things will happen? Amen? So let's talk about just a couple truths about finance. So what do we know about finance? Look at our first point on your outline there. So we know that money is not good or evil. Right? We know that money is not good or evil. Now, we, we, we don't act like that all the time, and we don't say stuff like that all the time. But in the heart of our hearts, when we really just step back and look at our lives and look at the world we live in, we actually realize that money is not evil. Money is not good, and money is not evil. Money is neutral. Money is a tool. Money is a resource. Right? Money will help good people do good things, and it helps bad people do bad things. But if I were to take a $100 bill and lay it right here on the stage, it would never commit a crime. And it would never do a good deed because money is neutral. Money is a tool. It is a resource that has to be used by people. And good people use money to do good things, and bad people use money to do bad things. But money is not good, and money is not evil. Now, a lot of times we misquote this scripture, right? 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 10, many people say, well, money is the root of all kinds of evil. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the love of money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money, look at this next statement, this is huge, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. What do you wander from when you love money? You wander from faith. You wander from God. That's interesting. It doesn't say some people craving money have wandered from their families. Some people craving money have wandered from their jobs. It says some people craving money have wandered from the faith. They have strayed from the faith. And we're going to see before we wrap this sermon up today that that money is really a revealer of our hearts. And Jesus actually tells us that you can't serve God and you can't serve money. Why? Because you only have one God. And so we recognize that money is not good and money is not evil. Right? Money is neutral. Money is a tool. It is a resource. And we're actually going to see, let's look at our next verse. I want you to see this scripture right here. 
Deuteronomy 8, money is actually a blessing from God. It's not good, it's not evil, it is a blessing from God. The Lord says this, He says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. The word wealth there literally means money, financial resources. It is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And look at this last part, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is unto this day. So God said this to the nation of Israel. He said, You need to always remember and honor the Lord your God because it's God that gives you the power to create wealth. And why does God give you the power to create wealth so he can establish his covenant. Let me say it this way. So he can fulfill his purpose in your life. Let me make a really bold statement. You cannot do what God has called you to do without money. You can't do it. You cannot do what God has called you to do without money. Well, Pastor Keith, I've just been called to pray and I can pray anywhere all, at all the time. And okay, well then don't eat. And don't drink anything, right? And don't live in a house, and don't wear clothes, and don't drive a car, and let's see how long you can pray. Right? You can't. You will die without money. You cannot do what God has called you to do without money. Money's not good. Money's not evil. Money is a blessing from God that He gives to us in order to establish or fulfill His covenant or His promise or His purpose that He has for your life. And we need to understand that. And in reality, we know that, and God confirms that, but that's just a simple truth about money. you got to understand it, because you can't make wise decisions about money if you don't understand what it really is. The second thing I want you to see, look at this, is that we know that debt or lack, financial uh, debt or financial lack, causes financial stress. And the truth is, we could probably just remove that word financial and we could say we know that debt and lack causes stress. Amen. Right? Let's just be real honest, right? It causes stress. <laughs> when you're in debt and you can't pay your bills and you can't, you don't know if you're going to be able to pay the water bill or the electric bill or the house payment or the car payment and you're wondering are they going to come get your stuff or are they going to come do this, I want to tell you something, you are stressed to the max. And it's horrible. And we know that, right? We know that when we purchase things we really can't afford, it may feel good for the moment, but we know, we know that next month the payment's coming. And it's not going to be one month's worth of payment. It might be five years' worth of payment or six years' worth of payment. I mean, our cars, we're paying for them forever now. I mean, it's like, think about it. We know that. And we know that if we're buying stuff we can't afford, it's going to create stress. And it's going to create stress in our family. The number one cause of divorce is financial stress. It's destroying our relationships. It's destroying our families. It's destroying our peace. Why? Because we are in debt. And we know that. We know that when we get in debt, when we get in debt, that we cannot manage, it becomes stressful. And this is what I've also found out. I found out that manageable debt sometimes is stressful just because you're always thinking about, well, I got to make that payment. I got to do this and I got to do that. Now, there's two ways that, that we move into a place of lack. One is we move into a place of lack because of debt. 
Another, we move into a place of lack, which creates stress. Uh, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to nail this down because we live in a crazy culture today because of this thing called laziness. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And we have a culture, we have an entitled society today where people don't want to work and then they live in lack all their lives and they live in financial stress. Let, let me give you a good indicator that your finances are out of order. Here's a good indicator that your finances are out of order. If you consistently complain about money, your finances are out of order. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Mike. Well, sometimes the truth just really hurts, don't it? If you ever say something like this, I hate money. I wish we didn't have to have money. I used to say that all the time. My sister says she just still says it all the time. So we're all going to repent today, right? We're going to change the way we think. Let me give you some truth, right? Let me, let me tell you why this is true. Why is it that debt and lack causes, now go back to that screen. Why is it that debt and lack causes stress? It causes stress because look what the Bible says. The Bible says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. When you borrow money, you become enslaved to the person you owe money to. They're your master, and you're their servant. And then you start working for them, right? Every week you go, you go to work so you can pay the mortgage payment, the car payment, and you pay the credit card payment, and you can pay the this payment and the that payment, and, and all those things. And the borrower is servant to the lender. And, and, and that's why it creates stress, because it puts you in a place of bondage. How many know there's nothing stress-free about being a slave? <laughs> There's nothing stress-free about being a slave. And the more debt you have, the more enslaved you are, and the more stress you feel. Why? Because you don't even feel like, right? How many times have you said to your spouse, man, what are we even working for? Right? We just work, 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 and we don't have anything to show for it. And we just pay the bills and pay the bills and pay the bills, and there's nothing left to enjoy life on. Preach on, preacher. <laughs> Proverbs 21-25 says, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work, right? Laziness and debt create stress. We know it, right? This is not, this is not new to you guys, right? We don't like hearing it, and it's sobering when we hear it, but we all know it's true. You didn't walk in here and say, oh, I didn't know that, Pastor Keith. I was wondering where all my stress was coming from. You know, I thought it was, I don't know what it was. I thought the grass was growing too high in my yard. I'm not sure. Oh, it's my bills. That's what's causing me stress. It's all that debt. Everybody knows that. We just, we just don't act like we know it. And we ignore the truth. And because of that, we get in bondage and we find ourselves stressed to the max. And then when we get stressed out, what do we do? We go buy something. Right? Y'all have done it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You get stressed out, I didn't go buy something. Let's get a little more debt, because boy, if I get something new I'm paying for, maybe I'll feel good for a week. Right? Look at look at the next one. Let's move on. Let's let's y'all bear with me today. We're gonna have lots of fun today. Alright. We know that when we have extra money or savings, 
we actually make better financial decisions. And let me just remove the word, that word financial again, because we actually make better decisions. I mean, how, many, how many arguments have you got in with your spouse because you were stressed out over money? How many times have you yelled at your kids because you were stressed out over money? How many times have you made poor, poor decisions because you were stressed out over money? Been there, done that. And it stinks, guys. It's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. But you know what we know to be true? We know that when we have extra money, when we actually can save some money, we create, I just want to use the word, we create margin, financial margin, where we're not spending all that we're making. All of a sudden, you kind of get some breathing room, and you have a better capacity to make decisions, not just financial decisions, relational decisions, emotional decisions, spiritual decisions. You can do what you need to do better. When you're not stressed out, all of a sudden I've got a little margin here. I'm saving some money. I've got some extra money put back. Man, what an awesome thing that is. And now you're not always over the barrel having to make a decision. Here's a wonderful poor decision we make. Well, what can I afford to do? I can't really fix it, but what can I afford to do to get me through till another week? I mean, you know, that just creates more stress and more debt and more problems. Because we're asking the wrong question. Not what is the wise thing to do. What can I afford to do? That's a horrible question. Because it creates more stress. Look what the Bible says. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Fools spend whatever they get. We tried to teach our children, never spend everything you got. At least keep $5 in your pocket, and you're never broke, right? At least keep $5 in your pocket, and you're never broke. But you know what? There's a natural tendency, right? We know we make better decisions. We, we enjoy our lives better when we have money saved, extra money. But we spend all we got. We spend all we got. We spend all. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't have anything left after I pay all the bills. Well, wonderful. We're going to give you a great remedy before you go home today, okay? We're going to give you a biblical solution to your natural problem that will change your life, okay? The last scripture says good people leave an inheritance to their children, to their grandchildren, I'm sorry, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Good people leave an inheritance to their children's children, their grandchildren, right? Many people die today and leave debt. That's not the wise thing to do. We ought to die, and when we die, we ought to leave an inheritance to our children and their children. Because we knew, we understood what the wise thing to do in regards to money, and we actually began to save and put back. Have you know rainy days always come? Right? The car's not always going to work right. The air conditioner's not always going to run. The, the roof's not always, it's, sometimes it's going to leak. Things are going to happen. In a perfect world, things are going to happen. And we don't live in a perfect world. Let's look at our next point. I want you to see this. This was a little lighter, all right? So we actually, we actually feel, we actually feel more joy when we give than when we receive, Amen. right? Amen. You ever wonder why? Now, now Christmas can have two effects on people. If Christmas comes and you go get in debt, then Christmas is horrible, right? But most of the time, for a general rule of thumb, Christmas season makes people happy. You ever thought about why people are so happy at Christmas? Well, a lot of times they're happy because we're given gifts, 
Right? We give gifts to our family. We give gifts to our friends. We give gifts to our coworkers. And we're giving and we're giving and we're giving and we're giving. And you know what? We actually know it feels better to give than it does to receive. If you're a parent, you have no greater joy than to give something that blesses your kids to them or your grandkids to them. Right? When you give something, it, it brings us great joy. And we know that. It's not the receiving, it's the giving that really gives us joy. When you help somebody in need, you walk away from that moment feeling so good about who you are and about the life you're living. It makes you happy when you give. Now, let me give you a statistic or, or some information uh, put out by the Wall Street Journal. I don't think they're a Christian organization. Uh, but back in August 2015, they, they wrote an article entitled Hardwired for Giving. And they literally, scientifically, they proved that endorphins are released in our brains when we give. That rush of excitement that we get when we give is the same we get from eating a chocolate candy bar. Man, isn't that awesome? <laughs> we got any candy bar fans in the house? Woo, praise God. All right. Look at this next statement. So here's, here's the rest of the study. When paying bills, there is no rush, no candy bar experience, and no endorphins. <laughs> so it's, it's not the release of money. It's the giving of money. When you pay the bills, it doesn't release those endorphins. But when you give, it releases those endorphins in your brain. God created you that way. Why? Because God's a generous God. God created you with generosity in mind. God created you to be a giver because God knew that when you give, the value of your life and the joy of your heart is not determined by what you receive, it's by what you give. And God hardwired you physically and mentally. There, there are endorphins releasing your brain. It's like the joy of eating a candy bar. Now, if you just love candy bars, I want you to do something. Just trust me on this. I need you to love candy bars. Somebody jump up real quick. I love candy bars. Somebody love candy bars. Jump up. I had a bunch of hands. Well, somebody stand to your feet. Any candy bar love? All right, Robbie. Robbie, you're the first one up. Stand up, Robbie. So I'm going to give you these thousand grands right here, okay? You got to stand up. Stand back up. And this is what I want you to do. There's six of them in here, I think. I want you to eat one and give five away. Can you do that? See, y'all should have stood up. Y'all have got you some calories today. That's right. Enjoy, enjoy your candy bars, Robbie. That's what happens when we give. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Look at this scripture, Acts chapter 30, 20, I mean, verse 35. Paul says this, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. And you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to what? Than to receive. And we know that's true. We get our greatest joys in life by giving, right? I just threw them candy bars to Robbie, I feel good. Right? I'm happy. Right? Because when you give, it releases that. And it's really, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. God created us to be generous people, right? And generosity really does bring us joy. Let me give you our last point here, and then we're going to do a wrap-up of this whole thing. Here's something else that we know. We know that how we handle money really reveals the true condition of our heart. 
How we handle money really reveals the true condition of our heart. We said it a while ago. We said that, that money will help good people do good things and bad people do bad things. What money does is money, money is not good and money is not evil. Money just reveals the true condition of your heart. This is three things I can tell you about. When you look at how you spend money, how you handle money, if you look at your check statement or your debit card statement or however you track your money, if you look at where you spend your money, this is what you can tell by where you spend your money. You can tell, number one, what you love. You can tell what you love by where you spend your money. You can tell what you value by what you, where you spend your money. And you can tell uh, what you're passionate about by where you spend your money. Your money, how you handle money, reveals your love, your value, and your passions. And every, that is true for every person in this room. Every person in this room, when you look at how you spend your money, it will reveal to you it will reveal to you without a shadow of a doubt what you love, what you value, and what you're passionate about. Right? For some of you guys, right, we can look at your banking statement and we can see the new fishing pole or the new hunting rod or, or hunting rod. <laughs> new gun. It's not a hunting rod. It's a gun. Help me, Richard. I'm struggling here. You can tell I don't buy hunting rods, right? Papa Larry buys guns. I don't buy guns, right? So, you know, I buy gadgets. I got the Apple Watch and all that good stuff, right? I love gadgets, so that's what I buy. So you can, you can see that, right? You look at ladies, you go to your closet, you can see what you love. Somewhere you can see what you love, Lord. Maybe it's not your clothes, but whatever it is. It's your kids. Maybe you sweet ladies love your husbands and buy them good stuff all the time. I'm not sure. But anyway, we, we all spend money, and our money reflects our heart, right? Now look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, we're going to look at verse 21, then we're going to look down at verse 24. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said, if you want to know where your heart is, just look at your treasure. Your money reveals your heart, hands down, every single time. Now, we don't think about that all the time, but we know that's to be true. We know we spend our money and invest our money and use our money on the things that we love, the things that we value, and the things that we, that we are passionate about. And so we have to understand that when we look at how we handle our money, that really, that more than anything else reveals the true condition of our heart. Because Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you love, what you value, what you are passionate about is revealed by how you handle your money. Now look at verse 24, because this ties back to our first verse we read in 1 Timothy. For no one can serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Of all the things he could have said, he said money. Why? Because Jesus knew that the love of money would be the one thing that the enemy would use consistently against every one of us. Nobody would be exempt from that. Why? Because everybody has to have money. And if we're not careful, we'll start pursuing money instead of pursuing God. We'll start loving money instead of loving God. And here's the truth. Jesus said, whatever you love, you serve. And Ecclesiastes says this. Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. That's a great verse. Whoever loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. What does that mean? It means if you love hunting and fishing, you're never going to get enough. If you love gadgets and gizmos, I love gadgets. I got my iWatch, I got my iPhone, I got my iPad. And they just come out with a new iPhone X. I'm like, I want that baby. I ain't going to buy it, but I want it. Right? And they got the new Apple Watch, and it's really cool. And I'm like, I want that. 
You know why? Because whatever you love, if you love silver, you'll never be satisfied by silver. If you love gadgets and gizmos, they'll never satisfy. You always want more. If you love clothes or if you love jewelry or you love houses or cars or, or toys or whatever it is you love, it'll never satisfy you. See, there's only one thing that satisfies the cry of every man's heart, and that is Jesus. And that's why Jesus said you can't love God and love money. You can't serve God and serve money. You can only serve one. Now, Jesus doesn't ask for everything. He actually owns everything. He just asks that he would be first. Right? That we would, that's what the tithe is all about. The tithe is not about God getting your money. It's about God getting your heart. Because if you can't honor God with the first fruits of your increase, then that means there's other things that are more valuable than what God is. There's other things you love more than God. There's other things you're more passionate about than Him. And so money reveals the real, true condition of our heart. So let me just kind of wrap this up, and I'm going to kind of give us four little walk-away truths today. So based on what we know and what, what God says, what do we know about money? Here they are. You can look at them, the four things. Go ahead and put them up. First thing we need to do, we just talked about it. We need to evaluate our hearts. A lot of people are in financial trouble today because they have a heart issue. They're loving things more than they're loving God. And they're chasing all these things that the world offers, and they never satisfy. You get the bigger boat, you get the bigger house, you get the bigger car, you get the finer gadget, and guess what? Next year they come out with something bigger and better and nicer. It never stops. But if you chase Jesus, if you love Him, if you value Him, if you're passionate about Him, and you're willing to honor God with that first fruit of your increase, you know what will happen? God will multiply everything else that you have. God doesn't have a problem with you having stuff. God has a problem when the stuff has you. And so we evaluate our hearts. What's the wise thing to do? Well, knowing what we know about ourselves and knowing what God says in His Word, we need to evaluate our hearts because I need to make sure, number one, my financial issues are really a heart issue. I need to make sure my heart's right with God. The second thing I need to do is I need to create a budget. Why do I need to create a budget? Because without a budget, you can't manage what you have. You've you got to get it on paper. You've got to define it. You have to have a real, legitimate budget. Because if you don't, you'll never manage what you have. And if you're not managing what you have, guess what? You'll never save anything because you'll not have anything to save because you won't know where it goes. And you'll never give anything because you'll say, well, if I have anything left, I'm going to give that to God. How's that working for you? It don't work. So you got to have a budget. Let me, just, let me just give you a little personal testimony right here. we got just a couple minutes. I'm going to wrap up. Kelly and I, early on in our marriage, we've been pastoring for 20-something years. We've been tithers our whole life. Ever since, ever since we've been married, we got married, I was 18, she was 17. We've been tithing ever since we got married. We, we were pastoring and we were tithing. But let me just say, up to several, just a few years ago, I don't know, it's been several years now, but up till several years ago, we struggled financially. And we struggled financially, not because we weren't tithers, we were tithers. And we were givers. We tithed and we gave above our tithe. And we loved it. But we struggled financially, and we struggled financially, we struggled financially. Why? Because we weren't managing what we had. We didn't have a budget. We weren't really telling our money where to go. And it just went. We weren't on purpose saving money. We were giving, but that was all we were doing on purpose. Everything else was just as it came. And it was horrible. And we lived under financial stress. 
It was a bad way to live our lives, but I can testify to you today without a shadow of a doubt. When we went from tithing and giving and then we added budgeting to our financial world, it changed our world financially. It changed our world financially. Now, the third thing, I told you earlier, if you're here today, you say, well, Pastor Keith, I want to give and I want to save, but I don't have anything left. Here's the answer. Here's the biblical answer. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. Well, I can't do that. I, I got all this, and I got this, I got that. Yes, you can. You can start today, right? Get a get a get out of debt plan and begin to work that plan to get out of debt. I'm 45 years old. I've got a debt uh, elimination plan. Kelly and I started working several years ago. When I'm 50 years old, we're going to be out of debt. We're going to be out of debt. That's that's what we're working toward. And we're having to work it. And you know what? You just got to work it. But if you don't get a plan, it won't work. Right? You need to get out of debt because once you get out of debt, you become free. Right? You become free. Free to use the money God's given you for the purposes God would have you to use them. And you're not bound or enslaved by debt. And the last thing I want you to say, this is really important. You and I need to get in agreement with God. You need to get in agreement with God. Money is a blessing from the Lord. It is not good. It is not evil. It is a tool. It is a resource. And it is a blessing from God to fulfill the covenant that He has for you. His purpose and His plan for your life will never be fulfilled without money. You need financial resources. You don't have to make it all yourself, but you need financial resources to do what God has called you to do. So stop cursing money and saying, I hate money and I despise money and I wish we didn't have to use money because you're resisting the very thing God is wanting to give you to bless you and prosper you and fulfill His purpose for your life. So get in agreement with God. Not only with your thoughts, but with your confession, but with your actions. And when you do that, guess what happens? Amazing things begin to take place in our lives. Amen. I want to just pray over you today. Father, I thank you today for wisdom. God, not my wisdom. <laughs> Lord, there's, there's a thousand people that could be up here teaching on money beyond me, God. But God, we thank you today for your wisdom. God, that your wisdom is above all. And Lord, I thank you today there are some obvious things that we know about money. And there are some simple truths that you teach us about money. And Lord, if we will take these truths and say, what is the wise thing to do? Lord, I thank you today we can make great financial decisions. And we can begin a brand new journey today into the future and the hope that you have for each of us. So Lord, today we ask you to give us courage and boldness and discipline. Give us the soundness of mind and clarity of thought to begin to, to, to create a plan and work it. And God, give us an encouraged heart today to know that there is an end to the stress that we may have found ourselves in today. And that there is freedom in Christ from every form of bondage, including financial stress. So bless your people today. Draw us near unto you. In Jesus' name we pray.